Okay, uh, it was good to see that everyone actually took the exam. That's a positive. Uh, I'm about two thirds of the way through grading papers. They take anywhere from 12 minutes to almost a half an hour per person to grade, depending on whether you were clear on what you were saying and your language actually made sense, or if you were leaving words out and I was trying to figure out where you went, or you made the entire paper one run-on paragraph. I had one of those, I think it's five pages long and it starts and it ends. And I'm like, this is tricky to sort your way through. So just little things like that make it a little challenging. So what we're gonna do today, we're gonna listen to Mr. Tim Szymowski from AgriPure as the guest speaker. We'll get him started here in a second. Uh, my opening photo today is of a nice grassland on the south edge of the wildlife loop in Custer State Park. So uh, if you're really looking to go and find those things that your hat is showing there, Joe, they're out there. As you're driving down this road, you see lots of things. The only challenge there is within the park you uh, <clears throat> are unable to try and harvest them. But it's a really nice place to go if you've got a half a day to just sort of drift off on a not very good ro road. It's a good road when it's dry. If it were wet, it would be really sketchy. But it's a nice place to just go check out. So I'm gonna see if we can get a, Mr. Szymowski's presentation started here. Howard, what do you, how do you want the um, the egress plan? Like, how do you want that to you? However you write it, you can be a drawing, you can write it out however you think will work best to get people out of the facility. Okay, and then do we need to do anything with like the safety audit? Um, just write up what you found. Okay because you may have found some interesting things that we should all talk about. All right. Thank you. Yep. Oops. So, We'll turn this on and then we'll hope that you can hear it. I find that the whole sound comes through the microphone that I'm wearing, which is kind of strange. There's Tim. He seems to be waiting for something, but. Okay. 
Um, there. Come on, Tim. Where did you go? He was there, then he went away. Well, then let's move forward a little bit. Let's see, is his face going to reappear here soon? Howard, can you share the screen with Tim on it so we can see him? Did that work? Thank you. Yes, it did. Operations 
uh, and vice president of manufacturing operations in the later years. Um, following Valley Queen, I went out with a company named uh, CPS Shipping, which later became Tetra Pak, and uh, was their senior cheese technologist in sales, where I did get to make cheese or be involved with uh, teams making cheese in 24 states and in three countries during that period of time. Um, during that period of time, I ran into a, a gentleman from uh, the northwest corner of Iowa that uh, wanted to build a dairy plant and uh, ended up partnering with him to build uh, what is now the whole Iowa cheese plant now owned by Agripur, uh, which is in uh, whole Iowa. I was the general manager of that project and also uh, carried on into uh, uh, through the design of building a team of people building the plant and uh, sold it to Agripur and I still am involved with uh, management of that plant uh, yet today. Um, I, I do serve as vice president of Agripur for the region the Midwest region of the United States, which is uh, for me is the states of Minnesota, Iowa, and South Dakota. And we do have three plants that I oversee and have responsibility for in those those three states, being in Lake Norton, South Dakota, Full Iowa, and Lake Minnesota. Agripur in general is a company that is made up of about 8,000 employees throughout North America. 2,800 of those are in the United States, and uh, the rest are in, uh, in Canada with the headquarters for the corporate company being in the Quebec, uh, Canada uh, space. Um, some of the other things I've done in, in my career is I've served as assistant chief judge and uh, at the U.S. and World Chief Contest. Um, I currently have served as the assistant chief since 2005 and have judged in those contests since 1995. But I really got my start in judging back in FFA and in the uh, dairy products judging contest in college representing South Dakota State University. Um, I've also got to serve as a technical judge for the National Collegiate Contest in the Cheddar Cheese Division of the six dairy products served on a lot of different boards and a lot of different uh, responsibilities in, in the past. And, and I guess I only share that because in all these roles, we needed um, management skills and leadership skills. And COVID brought about a new opportunity to manage something that was very different than anything any, any of us had ever really experienced before. Um, the fact of the matter is, uh, COVID, as we all know, uh, is something that a lot of people haven't really experienced in a lifetime. And to this degree, uh, it's been over 100 years to go back to the 1918 flu, where it's been this severe. But we now have a lot of communication tools and a lot of ways to, to inform people. And we're much more informed than we were back then. So as I think about the uh, COVID experience, uh, we all can probably think through the periods of time where we were learning more about COVID and uh, how it might affect ourselves and our families and, and the people that we interact with and the people that we're responsible for. Uh, COVID uh, started slow, or we heard about it in uh, January and February. Uh, the first case came to the United States, I think it was in late February. 
and um, by the beginning of uh, March, it started to get to be a concern. And then as we all know that by the middle of March, I was finding myself in need to uh, write a memo to put out into all the break rooms with my managers to inform them that uh, we as a company are aware of the issue and that we are forming a group to uh, uh, organize and manage uh, how we would work through uh, the coronavirus and, and COVID pandemic. Um, very quickly, it became uh, a need for us to form a group to get organized. We, uh, we, we quickly realized we we're going to have to manage a lot of information. We we're going to have to manage a lot of people, and we were going to have to manage a lot of action. And we we're going to have to train people on new procedures that was going to protect our health. And in the case of our business being identified as an essential business to provide food out to uh, the world, um, we were directed to continue operations as normal. And uh, that was very difficult to uh, understand at that point in time how we were going to do so when we saw other businesses that were literally becoming infected and ended up having to literally shut down operations because they had so many people that had become COVID positive and the chance for it to spread had become significant. So within a week, uh, that very first week, we had formed an ad hoc task force of which I was a member of and there were 12 of us in senior leadership across the entire company that was um, asked and designated to serve on the task force. We, uh, the 12 of us in the beginning would have two Zoom calls or conference calls every day, uh, one in the morning and one in the afternoon to manage the things that had happened since we were last together. And uh, in those days, two meetings a day wasn't really enough. And uh, we were managing uh, COVID more than we were spending time managing the plants. Uh, the plants continued to run, but all of the priorities shifted to um, two things. One, managing the plant. In other words, literally just making product safely, making product in a quality uh, space with quality uh, methods. And the other focus was uh, protecting our people and maintaining their health. So we began in uh, March and we went March, April, and May, where we were meeting two times per day and then we drifted off to one time per day. Then we drifted to three times per week and eventually we got to one time a week. And now we basically get together on an as needed basis. And what took place over all that time was uh, our goal to protect the 2,800 employees that we have uh, as agri-per employees in the United States. And in essence, uh, um, with establishment of how we were going to let people come to work and what we were going to do if they did come to work and were ill, what we were going to do if they came to work and went home and ended up testing positive, and what we needed to do if um, people were uh, exposed while at work and all the additional cleaning and sanitizing of the work environment that the individual that might have tested positive came from. And we had to manage a lot 
of fear and, and literally panic. And the best way to do that is to inform with transparency and uh, be clear, open communications. Although obviously, because it involves health, you have to be very careful. You can't say who tested positive, but you have to go at it generically and say there is a concern, and we've come to you because we're going to make sure that you're aware. It's might have been in an area where someone tested positive for it. And uh, those people monitor, and if they have close contact, they stayed out of work uh, for a period of time until it was safe for them to return, knowing that they were healthy. So, as you can tell, there was a tremendous amount of subject matters that had to be dealt with. But first and foremost was to continue operations, producing wholesome quality products and keeping our individuals safe. And communications was incredibly key uh, because accurate information from the CDC, and in many cases, we were much smaller uh, than the CDC, which was managing the entire country. Uh, we had the chance to implement things pretty fast. And it was important that we implemented them and clearly communicated them so that everybody understood what needed to be done and when it needed to be done and how it needed to be done. And uh, in doing that, I would say that we were um, successful in that we maintained all operations through a very, very um, difficult time to manage. And we uh, took care of our people. We did have positive, uh, several people tested positive in each of the plants over the period of the last six months. But uh, at the end of the day, we continued operations, and the majority of the uh, people that tested positive, uh, strong majority, we could uh, we could assess, and most of them could assess that they likely had contact outside of work. So um, I, I feel that the COVID experience was uh, something that um, hopefully we all won't need to manage through, but. Managing COVID is very, very much like managing anything. Um, you have to set goals and you have to communicate and you have to set timelines. And that was critical for us to have success. So the COVID experience is one that uh, we have, I believe, successfully uh, managed through. And we used a lot of the skills that I believe in that I would like to share uh, and empowered to ask that we share our experiences with COVID and with uh, general plant management. And there's a lot of things that I can talk about, obviously, in the area of plant management, because the technical skills, depending on if you're you know, processing milk into fluid milk or the, the, the products that come from fluid milk, uh, uh, such as bottled milk and yogurts and cottage cheeses and all the, all the typical um, dairy, basic dairy products, but if we're going to uh, cheese making or, or butter or ice cream or anything, anything further. So um, what I would like to uh, uh, talk about basically, what, which I think is critical is something that I've talked to the dairy plant management classes since actually since 1990 uh, with a lot of this information. After I graduated, I realized that the technical skills were obviously incredibly important, but for me to succeed, I needed to know how to manage people. And in managing people, uh, that is how you achieve all the goals, 
because you might know what needs to be done, but uh, we all have the capability of managing a space that's this big. Meanwhile, we're responsible for a place, a space that's this big. And uh, this is the amount that we're able to do ourselves. Uh, so obviously through delegation, that's how we achieve all of the things that we end up being responsible for. And there's some fundamental points that I want to make that involves people management. The uh, first one is hard skills and the second one is soft skills. And if you're taking notes, um, there are 11 points to the hard skills and there are nine points to the soft skills. And I'm gonna, my goal today is to make you aware of those skills so that you think a little bit deeper when you're going into a, a new role or responsibility to uh, address it positively, be flexible, but have the background information to know that any leader in order to lead other people first has to know how to lead themselves. It's critical to be a leader in order to be a manager. Uh, in fact, you can be a manager without being a very good leader, but it generally turns out that you might not be much of a manager at that point. Uh, the two go hand in hand, certainly, but uh, uh, the authority is given to you by the title of manager, but the power that you would have um, is given through the clout that people give to you as respect for your leadership abilities. And we all want to follow leaders that we respect and feel safe to follow. So um, the hard skills and the soft skills. 11 points of the hard skills, I'm going to go through these first. Uh, there's three different categories of those 11 skills. So planning has the first three. Organization and structure is point number one. We all need work rules. We, in essence, need an organization chart. It's important we keep them up to date because I look at organization charts purely as communication channels. It tells us who we report to and who we're connected to and who they're connected to. So I use them as communication channels more than anything. Obviously, it's important to be to have work rules and be very clear in what it is that we expect. So now we've kind of built it. Point number two is goal setting. Now we have an organization chart and we have a team of people and we know what the work rules are. So now we need to decide what, are, what is it that we're going to try to do? Uh, what are we going to do and by when? It's important in setting goals that we are very concise, precise and concise in how we describe it. Um, a little goal might be to save $30 a month. Uh, it's pretty easy if we say I'm going to save a dollar a day. But that's just setting the goal, putting actions in the place behind every goal, such as I'm going to skip having um, a, a soda pop or a coffee each day uh, or three days a week, whatever, so that we can save that dollar a day for $30 a month or 31 whatever the month might be. Big goals have to be broken down in the same way. They may take months and years to achieve. So um, little goals or big goals need to be broken down. They need to be measurable. And they're actually powerful and fun when you can do it in that manner. Um, so goal setting is point number two under planning. Point number three is scheduling and prioritization. This one is obviously a matter of when are we going to do things. Um, there's an old 
abbreviation of WIN, WIN. What's important now? Well, you can only decide what's important now based on what it is you're trying to achieve in the future. And then back up to say, in order to achieve that future uh, milestone, I need to take care of this and this today. So it's incredibly important to be organized and follow your goals on a daily basis. Um, each day should start with you deciding what is it that I need to do today and put them in order from number one to number five or six, whatever, how many ever goals that you have or miniature tasks that you have each day in order to achieve your larger goals. Um, that's a critical uh, um, method of management is to organize your health so that you can work in and as a, you know, amongst the team. Otherwise, if you make a promise to somebody and then don't deliver today and they need it for tomorrow, now we've disrupted the whole process. Um, and again, planning is a key part of it. We have an organization structure, we set goals, and we schedule and prioritize what we're going to do. So again, these 11 hard skills are like tools to a carpenter. Uh, every carpenter has different tools and they use them differently, but in essence, a hammer or something like that is similar. It's a matter of the skill which it's, uh, each, each person brings to using that tool. So the next section is supervising. Now that we have all this work planned that we want to achieve, we now need to supervise people. We need to give them job instruction and training. We need to prepare them with what we want to teach them. We want to show and tell them what we want to teach them with written procedures. We need to find out what they've learned, and then we need to come back and hold them accountable and see what they have done well and maybe help them along with things that they're not doing so well. Uh, it's called the four-point method of training. Prepare them, show them, and tell them, give them procedures, find out what they've learned later, and then follow up and make sure that they're doing what you want. If they're not doing what you want, um, that leads us into the next phase of holding them accountable. So the fifth point of the 11 hard skills is to hold people accountable. Uh, again, just like we pointed out, you go back and you see if they're doing what you have instructed them to do. If they're not, you coach them to have them modify their, their methods and do better. Or uh, if, if it gets to be a challenge where you cannot get them to do what you want them to do. Now you need to go into the next hard skill, which is discipline. Um, but in essence, if you catch people doing the right things, that's motivational, and they will want to work for someone like that. So supervising them is the next step. If they're not doing, you, you train them, you're holding them accountable, and now if they're not doing what you need, you need discipline. And there's really two types of discipline. One is for poor performance, and the second one is for work rule violations. Generally speaking, work, work rule violations are easy because if the rule's broken, it's broken, and you need to coach them into better behavior. Poor performance is a more challenging one because you have to have very specific guidelines you're asking them to do, and there's some sort of movement that they have achieved the goal or that they're not achieving the goal in their daily work. So poor performance is one where it truly requires coaching to bring them up to a, to a level that you expect. Many people uh, don't plan to fail, but they do fail to plan. And uh, if, 
you allow people to continue doing things that are not acceptable, they will assume that that's okay, and your team will perform uh, less than where you want. Uh, so with disciplining, it's usually a three-strike type method if it gets to, to the point of um, severity. And, and first is to warn someone if they refuse uh, to improve, it's time off. And then the third time is usually termination. Um, so now that we've been supervising and we're training people, we're holding people accountable and they're disciplining, the next phase is for us to then go into this problem solving because maybe some of the issues that we're dealing with is something that the employee doesn't understand or as a company, you maybe don't have a good method. So the way I look at problem solving, which is the seventh hard skill, is to research and gather information. Do studies, follow somebody for 12 hours on their whole shift. It'd be amazing what you would learn. Uh, break down the small, uh, break down big problems into small uh, portions and study them. Uh, as you do that, complex problems become obvious what's wrong and how to achieve uh, or how to resolve them. So we've gone through planning, which is organization and structure. Point two is goal setting. Point three is scheduling priorities. And then the next section of leadership is supervising, which is job instruction and training. Fifth is holding accountable. The sixth is disciplining. The seventh is problem solving. Now we go into something that's called motivating. Motivating is another area of leadership and supervision where the first hard skill is the right approach. And how you approach people is oftentimes the first thing that will determine whether or not you'll be successful with them or not. Um, the three basic approaches is one, to be a sergeant, or two, to be a salesman, or three, to be a consultant. And it depends on the people that you're involved with. It depends on if it's safety related. It depends on if you're dealing with somebody that's an expert. You're going to probably change your approach with that type of person. Um, having a positive attitude is important. I, uh, at times, you're going to have to be all three of them. And how things are said make a big difference in what it is that you do. So uh, remember that because motivating your people is, is key on the right approach. Work simplification is the, the ninth area. Um, again, just like in problem solving, study the work. Get input into the issue. Go talk to the people that are doing it day in and day out. Find out what they have noticed or what they've learned. They may not think it's a big deal, but it might be the clue that you're looking for to simplify work. Many times I've gone and, and asked people what they're doing, and after we study it a while, there was something that was put in place years ago that is no longer used, and no one ever took the courtesy to go say, you know what, we don't need to do this anymore. So sometimes there's duplicate work that you can find. And I've always found people are very appreciative when you point those things out and eliminate those things. Um, the tenth area is communications, which is incredibly important. Uh, there is so many ways to communicate these days that it's almost like we're on communications overload because we can have phone calls, texts, voicemails, emails. We can memos in the break room. We can do all kinds of things. But if it isn't effective, you need to really look 
is it effective? Is it, is it accomplishing the goal that you want to achieve? If it isn't, you probably want to change things. So communications, though, no matter how you're doing it, it's important to think of an hourglass. And I've always thought it was an hourglass glass where you have the sands in the hourglass, where the top of the hourglass might be the manager, the middle of the hourglass might be the supervisor, and the bottom of the hourglass might be the employee. Uh, now, what's beautiful about an hourglass is you can flip it over, and that's how it works. So now the manager is on the bottom, the supervisor is in the middle, and the employee is on the top. But just think of every communication that you have as a piece of sand. Every one of those pieces of sand or communications needs to go through the middle of the hourglass in order for effective communication to work and in order for the hourglass to actually function. If the grains of sand go around, they then bypass the key person, it's the frontline supervisor that needs to know what the manager told the employee or what the employee might have told the supervisor. Because the supervisor has many people that he needs to take care of in order to be effective as a leader. So communications are incredibly important and they're also communications is also the number one reason that a business or any group, any committee, or even sometimes a family uh, fails. So keep that in mind as you go about your work and decide what it is that's critical and decide what it is that you uh, want to really communicate. And as importantly, how do you want to communicate it? The 11th hard skill of management is personnel selection. Uh, we spend a lot of time training and developing people where it's critical for us to spend as much time choosing the people that we want to work with our groups and with our company and look for the people that are the best fit for the type of job that it is that you're asking them to do. Think of it as you're recruiting and picking a team where you want to go and win a championship. Uh, you got to have a variety of people. you got to have a variety of different skill sets, you need a variety of different personalities. And it takes a real strong leader to be flexible to adjust all those conditions. Some people learn by being told and being shown. Uh, some people uh, learn by reading. And it's different for each of us. So be sensitive to that as you build your teams and use these 11 hard skills and manage um, very quickly, I just want to share the soft skills, the nine soft skills that I talked about. And uh, in essence, uh, the nine skills are, are part of the basic introduction to uh, Dale Carnegie. And the Dale Carnegie program um, is very, very much built on nine initial principles of uh, how to win friends and how to influence people. I like to look at that as how to coach people and actually have them understand uh, what it is that you're trying to do. Those nine skills are very simple. First one is to not criticize, condemn, or complain. Uh, you end up focusing on the negative when you do that, and then the people will follow you as a leader, and pretty soon you have a negative team, and they're not accomplishing much. And you want to focus on the positive because they will, all of the human nature is you'll end up creating a team where we follow our leaders. It's just who we are and how we function. So 
be a good leader, be a positive leader, be an example. Uh, the second soft skill is to give honest, sincere appreciation. And do that out in front of people. People will love to get appreciated, especially when they're amongst their, their uh, co-workers or friends or, uh, or family, for that matter. But it needs to be honest, because if it isn't honest and sincere, people will know. And your fault will diminish. Uh, the third soft skill is to arouse another person an eager want. Lead them to want to succeed and lead them to understand that they're part of the win and they're part of the solution. So it's important to arouse another, another people that eager want to achieve and to do well. Become genuinely interested in other people. Uh, it's really easy for us to tell all about ourselves, but the fact of the matter is, if I was there with you today, I'd like to know a little bit about each of you. Because in doing that, I'd be able to tailor my comments in order to fit how some of you possibly think. And I'm only guessing today that you're looking forward to a career in the industry. And by this lecture, you might get to learn a little bit that you learned, but probably wouldn't um, until you got out into industry. So um, it's, it's important to interact and asking questions and learning from the people that you work with will help you be a very effective leader because you can you can uh, uh, understand where they're coming from and actually understand their hobbies, so to speak. Um, the fifth one is to smile. Obviously, it's part of producing a positive environment, and um, it only takes a few muscles to smile and about 50 to frown, so it's easier to do, or at least it should be. Um, the sixth uh, soft skill is to remember that a person's name is to him or her the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Uh, I don't think anybody likes to hear, hey, you. Um, if we are uh, courteous enough, normally I would say courteous is a cheese joke. I like cheese jokes, but I'm not with you every day, so I don't know how long the time will allow for you to last. So I'm just going to be courteous and uh, never heard. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell a joke about it, but it is important to just literally just be uh, upright with the people you work with and look them in the eye, call them by name. Number seven, soft skill is be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves, just like back in uh, you know, becoming genuinely interested in somebody. Um, I like to say interview those people, not interview with a T. But interview. In other words, ask them about their family background, where they grew up, what their interests are, what their hobbies are. Did they play sports in high school? Were they part of the uh, part of the bands, or what? What was their interest in uh, in what they did growing up, or what do they have for hobbies now? And by doing that, generally speaking, uh, you get to talk to people with things that they are very well informed about and they're not afraid to share with you and uh, you also get to learn again uh, more about that individual so that you can communicate to them in a manner that will, will be understood because you know how, a little bit more about how they think. Um, talking in terms of other people's interests is exactly that. If you talk to somebody about uh, hobbies, I used to work with an individual that ran a race car, a normal race car, and if we talked in terms of 
how uh, how many RPMs and how fast and uh, quick uh, that we needed to do things. Um, it was kind of fun to deal with that person in that manner. The ninth soft skill is to make the other person actually realize their importance because they are important. They wouldn't be on the team. Do it sincerely if you uh, are of faith in any of your methods. Everybody will see through that and, and it will be negative to the point where you'll wish that uh, you can back up and undo some things. So keep those in mind. It's, it's, in, it's incredibly important, again, to be a leader. You have to have those 11 hard skills in your toolbox. And how you implement them is as important in using the soft skills to do so will enable you to, again, uh, with your abilities, take and do this much uh, yourself. Meanwhile, you're responsible for that big amount and all your responsibilities fit into that. So through those 11 skills and through those nine soft skills, um, dairy plant management, COVID management, any kind of management fits into that. And I challenge all of you to Think about those things as you go forward. You don't have to wait for the first job. You can do it in amongst your class and amongst your, your, your fellow classmates or any of the committees you might be on. Or try it at Thanksgiving you know, with your family sometime. There's a little bit of a debate going on. Try to use one of those skills so that you can get to an agree upon uh, resolution of whatever it is that you might be dealing with. So, in summary today for this lecture, again, whether you're managing COVID or you're part of a committee or you're in your first job as a frontline supervisor, I always say you promote yourself. And you do that in essence by being positive. You do it by having the, uh, the focus that you say you're going to give it your best. You're going to do everything that you can today to do your best and help the people that you're responsible for to do their best. Because when you help somebody um, do their job and do it to the best of their abilities, um, they appreciate that and they appreciate you and they'll follow you. And obviously that's your job. So that's an opportunity to succeed as a team and build more and more teamwork. Um, I, I do, uh, think that the dairy industry is a tremendous industry to, to be a part of. When I joined the dairy industry, there was four food groups, and now there's five. The dairy was always part of um, all of the uh, food groups in the past, and it's an essential part of our a staple in our diet. Uh, milk is the most basic food on earth. It's made up of all the things that are needed to support life, to bring infants to adulthood. and you know, it's amazing what comes out of that. The fat, protein, lactose, some minerals and vitamins, and water. We make thousands and thousands of different very wholesome products. And the uh, you can be a part of so many parts of that industry, such as with uh, whether you're part of dairy chemistry, microbiology, QA, the chemical uh, chemical side of life, to be a chemical major, um, in economics, the economists uh, and the accounting portion of the industry, regulations, compliance inspectors, the processing, 
portion of it. The engineering and equipment phase, you can be an automation or TLC programmer, uh, safety professionals, and lastly, the personnel and people management side of the business. Um, we are a 24-7 business. The dairy industry has always been. Um, cows produce not 24-7. That's what the industry provides for or requires. Um, and we, as leaders, need to understand that that's the type of businesses that we're going to be part of. Um, all of those things that I mentioned for careers are based on the fact that you have a production plant producing products. All of those other groups are support functions to keep plants producing products. Uh, we get to send products out to all over the world. In fact, our company ships uh, products to all 50 states and uh, 20 different countries. Primarily, a lot of our whey products goes all over the world. So uh, we get the chance to bring that revenue stream back home and redistribute the majority of it up back to the people that produce the milk and the labor that makes the product. So it's a it's an incredibly uh, wholesome industry to be part of. And I, uh, as I think about um, some of the things I want to stress today, to be an effective leader as a supervisor, manager, or an executive, um, we all need those hard skills and those soft skills. We need to coach. We need to lead ourselves in order for others to want to follow us. And if we can lead ourselves, we can lead other people. Um, again, whether it's something like COVID or whether it's general plant management or managing um, a, a team of three people, whatever it is, we need those skills in some format or another. And uh, it actually, if we use those and use them well, Management gets quite simple and it's fun and it's very rewarding when you get to help other people succeed. So whether we're using them on a daily basis, a weekly basis, monthly or yearly, um, my best advice that I can give to you is to follow your passion. And finding your passion is such a wonderful thing. And I will admit, I love to uh, work with people and I love cheese. And I always say, Jesus loves us too. Probably tree alive. Anyway, it's cheddar if I don't like wait too long. But uh, what what I what I what I mean is that working with people in the cheese industry has been a joy to me. And uh, the, the quote I think Winston Churchill said, you know what? If I uh, if I enjoy what I'm doing every day, I don't have to work a day in my life. And uh, that's true um, for all of us. We just need to find our passion. Uh, to do what you enjoy, um, when people are doing their passion, they're far more successful than if they're going to work for a job that, or a career that pays a lot. Because it's been proven that the people that are the wealthiest in this society are those that are enjoying what they're doing and they have a passion for it. Um, Give it your best each day, be positive, be flexible, try new things. Don't get stuck in the past, try new things. That's what leadership's all about. Um, there's a book out written about 20 years ago called Good to Great. And uh, about 90% of the companies and most uh, 
whether it's athletes or, or people that, that are part of the arts uh, and play a musical instrument, about 90% of the people get to be good. Uh, 10%, if you really, really worked hard, get to be great. And um, the enemy of great is good. And if you ever find yourself saying, there, that's good enough, catch yourself and say, that's not good enough. Because if I want to be great at something, just go to the next step, and it might take another little push or a little extra effort. But that little extra effort makes all the difference in the world. So hopefully something that came out of this lecture today and it made sense to you. Um, and I, I wish I could be there in person as I have in the past. And, uh, um, you know, it's creeping up on Halloween here, so I wish you all a happy Halloween. Um, we hand out monster cheese at our house. Um, it's kind of hip. Um, but one year we we, uh, we realized that the little kids they get them fragile, so uh, we'll uh, we'll be careful this year with that. But, um, hope you do well in your fall semester here at South Dakota State, and I look forward to interacting with you in the future. Possibly we'll meet through Agapur someday, or I wish you well in your careers, and I hope to uh, possibly interact with you and work with you out in the areas. Thanks for letting me share with you today. Um, I would encourage um, Howard, I'll, you know, I'll provide Howard my email address. I would encourage uh, feedback and comment back to me on something that you might have learned. Or probably more importantly, I would be, uh, I'd love to uh, entertain any of the questions that you might have that might help you um, prepare for your careers in the dairy industry. Thank you and have a good day. In fact, have a great day. Um, Howard, can you hear me? Yes. Um, I know this is at the end of the video, but I believe there's a setting on Zoom that will let you just change the audio to be uh, through the video instead of through your microphone. That would be better, but I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah. On Monday, maybe help you with it. I know Dan kind of helped Dr. Jeno with it during our chemistry lab okay times ago i'll be honest ethan i'm not sure i know how to route a video player through zoom we can Is try it? yeah okay um hopefully you got something out of what uh tim shared with us today if you were paying any attention at all you may have noticed that what we've done for the first about half of the semester is following almost exactly the order that Tim outlined. Guess where that order came from? Like he said, he's been sharing with this class for almost 30 years, and he recommended a couple of different series based on how to talk about management hard skills and soft skills. We're just about to the end of that portion, and now we're going to start looking at some more things related more closely to facilities themselves, how to organize a facility, where to place a facility, some things like that.
But this first part of dealing with how to manage the people is transferable to virtually any setting. So have a wonderful weekend and we'll start into the next round of topics on Monday.